0: Welcome to Ghostly. I'm Pat. And I'm Rebecca. And with us today is one of my best friends and all around great guy, Armando Kent, aka Mondo. Hey.
1: Hey Mondo. <laughs> Thanks for coming on.
0: Thanks for having me. Hey. All right. I am very excited about this episode. It's our Christmas special.
1: Woo! Yeah.
0: Yay. Do you have any uh Christmas traditions, Mondo? Me, um, well, my wife does. She usually
2: puts a pickle on the tree and uh you know, she likes to get the uh little toys for our cats, the catnip toys and watch oh. them fight. Oh, but, that's a
0: that's a really good tradition.
2: Yeah. Usually for me it just involves remodeling. Usually I'm sanding drywall or ripping up a
0: floor or something.
1: <laughs>
0: so it's yeah. tradition. Yeah, it's, it's tradition. tradition
1: to use that time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what about you, Rebecca? Do you have any traditions?
1: Oh, I have a lot of traditions. Um, but uh, I would say one of my favorites is right after Thanksgiving. I put up all of the outside Christmas decorations to put up lights everywhere and garland and all the fun stuff. And as soon as I do that, then I know it's the Christmas season.
0: But you wait till after Thanksgiving. But I wait no? till
1: after Thanksgiving. Absolutely, yeah, that's really yeah. that's
0: really the important thing. I would say definitely. All right. Well, how about
1: you, Pat? Do you have any Christmas tradition?
0: Well, actually, uh, this is going to become a tradition, and and this has been a tradition for a long time in uh, England. This predate television. They used to tell ghost stories.
1: Oh, oh, telling ghost on Christmas yeah,
0: a- around Christmas. Okay.
1: Yeah, usually it was like Christmas Eve
0: or something like that. When the family was together, you know, you want to scare the kids a little bit. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's something that they did and we're bringing it back.
1: Awesome.
0: Yeah, but before we get to all this, uh, I think we need to go over the polls.
1: Really? Unfortunately. Are you sure you no. want to go over the polls? No, I'm not sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, well, I'm very excited. I, I asked you guys to please get out and support uh, and and it looks like you did. Um, So for the question of is Bachelors Grove haunted, we have 44%, almost 45% that say yes. Yes, it is.
0: Uh, Mondo, did you vote? I did. Oh, no.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely haunted. Definitely haunted. Yeah, Yeah. I'm
0: I'm surrounded by believers
1: here. Well, let me just go over the rest. So We also had 11% say no, and 22% said, I am not sure yet. And the other 22% said that they need more ghostly before they can decide. So it looks like we've definitely got uh, an, an, you know, another, actually, the majority of people aren't sure and want to hear more. So, yeah. so we'll we definitely a have a episodes to do.
0: Actually, next weekend, we're going to be doing an interview with uh, Carl and Wendy.
1: Yeah. And
0: that'll be coming soon.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. going to be great. Uh, and then we had one other question, which was about my pictures. Yes,
0: your picture. Yeah. Which, by the way, I have something to say about that, too.
1: Okay. Well, I will say, and for this one, we've got 42% say it's nothing paranormal. Aww. I know. But but 28%, uh, I guess it's kind of split, 28 and 28 um, say that it's some sort of other paranormal Uh, meaning not an orb, but something paranormal. UFO. Yeah. Yeah. Or or haunted Christmas decoration, I'm not sure. Uh, And then the other is uh, that they're not sure. So no one said that it's an orb. I think because it doesn't look like a traditional orb. It's too metallic looking. Yes. But they don't necessarily, majority of people just either aren't sure or think it's something other than an orb. So I still think I win this one.
0: Well, you know, I do want to say something, though, because I kind of misrepresented things in the last episode, unintentionally, of course. Um, If you go to ghostlypodcast.com and you go to the library section and you go to the Bachelors Grove episode, we have three pictures up there that Rebecca took in a row. And uh, it shows this red object in two of the pictures, but in the third picture, it doesn't. Well, the problem with that is that after the episode went live, I had a chance to sit down and um, find a point of reference in the third picture. And it turns out that um, that picture couldn't have the red Christmas orderment or whatever it was in there. So
1: because um, it shifted.
0: Yeah, it shifted.
1: Like yeah. I didn't have the exact same. Yeah. And if you I, I think that's definitely true. But there is still something in that tree, and I don't know what it is, and it's really weird. No one could or would have climbed up there to put it there. I just don't know what, and it's and it's unclear. So I'm yeah, mm, but I, I want to go back and investigate. Is I don't want to
0: mislead. people.
1: Absolutely, no. I've said that. I I thought maybe my my view had shifted, or I had yeah. moved a little bit. So.
0: All right. Well, in today's episode, we will bring you not just one, but we're going to bring you three ghost stories. Woo-hoo. And they all happen around Christmas time or have to do with Christmas. Usually it's our custom to debate these stories, but in today's episode, we're not going to do any debating. I figure that there's enough um, bickering around Christmas time. I was going to say, the
1: Christmas spirit, we're not going in to the debate Christmas the spirit, stories. In the Christmas spirit. Yes. <laughs> we're just going to enjoy them.
0: All right. Let's get into the ghost stories. All right.
1: Well, both of our first two stories represent that old Victorian ghost story tradition from England. Um, they're kind of classic ghost stories, um, but have their roots in uh, both legend and truth, you know, re- records that people have have written down and passed on throughout the years. Um, they're both in a similar location, it, England, um, and a similar time frame, and they're both very dramatic, but the stories themselves are very different uh, uh, as far as how they 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 happen, and uh, they definitely show the different ways that hauntings get created. Uh, so, Mondo, are you ready to I tell am ready. our first ghost story? Sure am. Okay.
2: So, uh, the first story takes place in England, and it is a tale of revenge, Ooh. and also about a, a robbery gone wrong. And it involves what they call uh, highwaymen. And for people that don't know what highwaymen were, they were the carjackers of the 17th and 18th century. <laughs> Definitely, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> These
2: were the guys that were waiting on a road for you to come by in your coach so that they can steal your purse. And
0: They would steal my purse? They would Wait, take back then, that
1: everyone oh had a purse man. with money in it, yes. yeah.
0: A lot of money? <laughs> Depends. <laughs> All right, but sorry, they, I didn't hmm. mean to. They were the guys that were going
2: to find out. Okay, all right. (laughs) So um, they'd take advantage of the fact that there wasn't, it's not like they had police waiting on the side of the road or something like that. There wasn't much, so it's pretty much, you know, uh, thieves' paradise, you know. So they especially targeted coaches because they did not um, have a lot of protection on them either. You know, they just had helpless victims in the back that were probably moving their goods from one place to another, so... You know, it's like wow. You're not just going to the store, but you're probably taking everything that you own with you. <laughs> so these these were treacherous times
0: then. Yes, definitely. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: And um, they also uh, there are a few phrases that uh, we still use today that can be traced back to the highwaymen, like "stand and deliver," like your money or your purse, your money or your life.
1: Yeah, we still use those today. It's kind of weird to think about. Like, stand and deliver, we think of that as that, that movie. Yeah, that's all <laughs> you know what I, I mean? think of mean? the it's movie. Like, but no, when they would say stand and deliver, they meant like meaning deliver to me your money or your purse. You know, it's crazy.
0: I think they could have made that a little bit clearer. Oh, wow. And just say, give I mean, me your purse.
1: I'm sure they said that sometimes too. But your money or your life, I mean, yeah.
2: Yeah. And some weren't so bad. Some were, you know, some guys have uh, been romanticized. And I mean... Uh, Kind of like Robin Hood. Oh. You know. At least people would like to think that there were good guys out there that were stealing from the rich and giving it to the poor. But the truth is they probably just kept the money. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm kind of poor. I could
0: use some of that. Uh, you probably wouldn't get any. Oh, man.
2: <laughs>
0: but they would be willing
2: to take what you have.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's nice of them. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So – Uh, This story takes place on Christmas Eve on Hawkehurst Road at Martin and uh, involves an elderly man and his daughter who were riding in a carriage when a highwayman named Gilbert stopped the coach and demanded that the two get out and give him the coach and all their money. Well, the girl opened the door and got out first, but then when the door opened and she got out, the horses got spooked and ran off with the coach with her father still inside. So... This meant that the girl was now standing on the side of the road in the dark with the highwayman.
1: Oh, terrifying. Uh, was
2: she wearing all white?
1: Uh, we don't know. She wasn't dead yet. <laughs> no, oh, you she wasn't know, dead I mean, yet, If she's yeah. dead, then she would definitely
2: be wearing white. <laughs> okay, usually gotcha, are. gotcha. But, um, so the coach drivers worked as quickly as they could to get the horses back under control so they could get back there and save the little girl. And once the horses were calm, the coach, with the father inside, returned to where they had left the little girl with the highwayman. But what they saw was not what they expected, because laying on the side of the road was Gilbert, the highwayman. Oh. He was bleeding and dying, and the girl was nowhere to be found. Wow. So. Yeah. Why would he be the one lander?
1: Right? I mean, the, you would not expect that. that. She's no. fierce. That's what yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: basically it is because uh, before he died, Gilbert managed to tell them what happened. Uh, apparently the girl attacked him when she recognized him as the same highwayman who had robbed and killed her brother three years before. Wow. So when she saw him, she knew who he was. She pulled out a dagger and she stabbed him. In revenge, mm.
1: crazy. I mean, yeah. that she would have a dagger like hidden. Like that's awesome.
2: Good point.
0: But this isn't a ghost story yet, though. No, not yet. Okay.
2: But you know what? I mean, to be honest, if back then, if you knew that this was something that happened, typically, and I mean, you brought your family on the coach, mm-hmm. I would probably give a knife to each and every one, even, yeah. even the baby, <laughs> even yeah. the baby, yeah, <laughs> put it in his diaper. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's got to defend himself. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So the father and the coach driver searched and uh, searched for the little girl, but they couldn't find her that night. But the the next day, they had the the entire village started searching, and then they found her in the forest. And she was crouching behind one of the uh, big tree in the woods and had turned stark raving mad. Ooh, Ooh.
0: murder will do that, I think.
2: I think so. Yeah, yeah. But as far as Gilbert. He was buried next to the spot where he had tried to rob the coach, and it's said that every Christmas Eve, the whole scene is reenacted over and over. Mm. And this is why today on Christmas Eve, local villages always avoid the spot of the murdered highwayman of Kent.
0: Of Kent. Oh, yeah. So there's the connection then. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Armando
1: Kent. (laughs) Wow. I bet this is your... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Somehow related to this family. Wow, that's. That area.
0: That's a really interesting Mm -hmm. story. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, no problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rebecca, do you have one?
1: I do. I do. All right. So our next story comes from the Cope Family Collection. Bramshill House in Hampshire, England is this uh, place, and it's often described as one of the most haunted places in England. And has no fewer than 14 ghosts. Ooh. There's a lady in gray. Oh, not white. And mm. a green man. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of like weird. the god green man? I don't I don't know. But he's supposedly a man in green in the lake. Mm. And then there's sometimes people report feeling like a child touch their their hand, like, like leading them somewhere. Ooh. Lots of, you know, haunted stuff. But the most famous is a lady in white. Of
0: course. <laughs> of course. Yes, another Strikes ghost
1: in white. But this one has a good a good excuse. Um, she was a Christmas bride. Ooh. Yeah, so she was, so she was a bride, so she was, you know, in her wedding gown. Um, and supposedly in the house, she's seen in the long gallery and the fleur-de-lis room
0: the Florida leave room
1: Florida leave room I don't know what that would be
0: Yeah what the heck do I you mean I do in a Florida leave room I mean
1: I know that design I guess there's just a lot of that design in that room I don't
0: I know nothing of design
1: Okay well anyways um so this is the story of the Mistletoe Bride Okay In the early 17th century Anne had her wedding on Christmas Day at Bramshill House She was engaged to Lord Lovell And Anne's father, Sir John Cope, decided that the wedding should be a great celebration for Christmas Day. So uh, that was interesting to me that they decided to have their wedding on Christmas Day. That they're like, yeah, this is going to be a great party. So let's do it on Christmas. Um, So they did. Wow. The wedding was lavish. The most important people from the area attended. Records show the amazing feast they had at the reception. Okay, so this is a quote, guys. 200 geese and 200 ducks were among the substantial delicacy provided for the guests. These birds were especially fat and luscious for the copes had for centuries held the honorable court office of Sergeant of the Poultry to His Majesty the King. So that means they raised poultry for the royals. That was like their job, the copes. Wow. So they had a lot of good poultry.
0: So the the geese and the ducks were hunting too?
1: Or, or haunting? Because
0: <laughs> this is a ghost story. Oh, oh so well, I'm we're like, not
1: there yet. Oh,
0: okay, okay. All right.
1: Wine was consumed in proportionate quantities before Sir John possessed a rare, quote, store of Malmsey, Malvorsi, Cypress, Canary, and goodness knows how many more. I don't know. That's a quote. I'm not sure what any of those things are, but I assume they're types of wine. So, there were also musicians and dancing all night long, and of course, like I said, plenty of wine and just in general spirits, right? So, this next part of the story has two different explanations that I've heard. And the first, the bride suggests playing hide-and-go-seek, while others have a more, well, let's just say less than proper explanation by today's standards, a tradition at this time was for guests to chase the bride around, grab her, and carry her up to her bedroom.
0: Yeah, I saw that in Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. like a thing that it they would, would do. Yeah. yeah. So to me, while not as fun as the hide and go seek explanation, I'm pretty sure that that's the real explanation for kind of how this story happened is that she was being chased. Okay. So, um, so in the story, the bride goes and hides, whether from fear or fun, I guess we can't be totally sure. Uh, Either way, the whole wedding soon gets involved in searching for her. They hunted and hunted, but without success. For several hours, they laughed at the girl's trick, thinking how clever she was to hide herself so thoroughly. At last, though, it dawned on them that the matter was serious. Guests and servants were formed into parties. They Divided up the house and they searched it from top to bottom. Every room, every closet was searched, but no bride. Wow. Yeah. They couldn't find her. Um, and eventually the guests left, they decided that, well, what do you think? What did the, what explanation do you think they came up with for why they couldn't find her?
0: That she just freaked out and didn't want to be married and took off. Yeah,
1: exactly. Runaway bride. Runaway bride. Right. They're yeah. just like, yep, she must Saw have. Saw that movie too. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. they thought, you know, yep. Well, whatever, dude. Sorry. She, she didn't want to marry you. <laughs> she left. Right. But Lord Lovell never believed this. He knew that Anne loved him and would never have run away. So he stayed at the house. He never married again, insisting that someday he would find his wife. So some 50 years after she disappeared, Lord Lovell, still mourning his bride, walked around the house. This was on the anniversary of her disappearance. And he was just running his hands over the walls and the house, just kind of feeling everything. And all of a sudden, he felt this hollow area And found a secret panel that he had uh, never found before. And it was basically a secret closet. And he saw this ancient, this is a quote, an ancient oak chest iron bound. He thought it must contain like old paperwork. So he pried it open. To his horror, instead of papers inside the chest, he found the body of his bride. Yeah.
0: That's not good. A skeleton.
1: Yeah. 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 She did find a good one. The best one. She wins. She did win, I guess. Um, uh, So she was a skeleton still in her wedding gown that was now yellowed and faded. The top of the chest had claw marks in it where she had tried to get out after finding herself locked inside with no one finding her hiding spot.
0: Uh, Rebecca is doing the claw. I'm doing the claw. Sorry. You guys can't see it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh Lord Lovell, having found his bride at last, finally died himself. Mm. Um, now, you might be asking yourself, how was there a dead body in this house for 50 years and no one smelled anything?
0: That's what I was asking. Yeah.
1: Okay. I, I thought you might ask that question. To
0: myself, though.
1: Right, but. right. But I thought you might. So I just want to say that I guess because it was on the top floor and in this like secret room and it was by a chimney it kind of helped like send the odor away. So it was mm. kind of, I mean, this is like a big mansion. I mean, this is like, think Downton Abbey. This is like Downton Abbey. Never saw it. Okay. But it's, it's a big Just mansion increases. castle thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So interestingly, uh, oh, so, so for a long time, people reported seeing obviously the ghost of the bride mm. at Bramshill house, but this is weird little twist. So there have not been many recent sightings of the mistletoe bride at Bramshill hall. But I found a report of a New York society woman in the 19th century having a chest that was brought back to her from England by her husband. And as soon as she put the chest out, like, you know, in one of her rooms, visitors to her home started seeing the lady in white. And her ghost now haunts anyone who has the chest. Lost to history today. We don't know where it is. But whoever has that chest, they're getting haunted.
0: Maybe it's in Betcher's Grove.
1: <laughs>
0: Maybe. <laughs> wow, that is a really good story. I mean, really bad story, I guess, but yeah, in a good way. Very tragic, but yeah, very yeah. tragic. Yeah. Very
1: creepy. All
0: right. Well, what I have for you guys is a Chicago story. We gotta keep the Chicago thing going a little <laughs> bit longer. All right. Mine is about Captain Santa.
1: Ooh, Captain yeah. Santa.
0: Captain Santa. So this is the story of the Christmas ship and its captain Herman E. Schooneman, a.k.a. Captain Santa. The Rue Simmons was a 123-foot, three-masted sailboat that took its maiden voyage in 1868. It was built to carry heavy loads into the shallow harbors of Lake Michigan. The ship was named after a well-known Kenosha businessman and merchant, and his brother Zalman founded the Simmons Bedding Company. Oh, yeah, which so, is still around today.
1: Okay, what was the name of the ship again?
0: It's uh, the Ruse Simmons.
1: Oh, ah, so, yeah, and the mattress,
0: yeah, the mattress. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> okay. So the Bruce Simmons had a long history before being part-owned by Herman Schooneman, and our story begins with Captain Schooneman, but its history is worth looking into. If you ever get a second to Google it, it's, it's really fascinating.
1: Ship histories are awesome.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Herman Schooneman and his brother August were in the Christmas tree business since before the start of the 20th century. Herman sold directly to Chicago residents at the dockside of the Clark Street Bridge, since Herman sold directly to people and not to wholesalers and local grocers, he was able to sell his trees for much cheaper than others by eliminating the middleman. Ah,
1: there you go. Yeah. You're right at that middleman is always the problem, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Even his, even his most expensive tree would sell for a dollar.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. So he would bring the Christmas trees down on the ship? Yeah. From he would, Wisconsin?
0: From Wisconsin. Nice. Yeah.
1: I've seen Christmas tree farms in Wisconsin. It's really cool.
0: Yeah, I have not seen them, but I'm imagining that they're there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just int- you don't think about the business side of Christmas trees.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, he used the slogan "Christmas tree ship." My prices are the lowest, and selling Christmas trees was never going to make Herman wealthy,
1: mm. but
0: he enjoyed it. Okay. Herman got his got the nickname Captain Santa by the local newspapers by giving away a portion of his trees to needy families. So going back to like the Robin Hood kind of thing, right, you know, he would right. give. He would give a lot of trees to the families around there. And really, um, Christmas trees were a German thing, and it really took hold um, right before the 1900s, so in the late 1800s.
1: And that makes sense, because there's a lot of German people in Wisconsin. That's a big settlement area for for people of German ancestry, so I I understand why they would decide to grow Christmas trees.
0: Yeah, well, they know how to grow them, and they're good. Yeah. Yeah, So... Herman uh, saved many newspaper clips about his role as Captain Santa because he was proud of this name. Herman married Barbara Schindel and had three daughters, Elsie and the twins, Hazel and Pearl. Oh. Barbara's life as a ship captain's wife, and that's very, uh, it rhymes a lot. I, yeah. should, I should write a song about that. <laughs> um, ship captain's wife was not easy. She knew early on that it was not a matter of if catastrophe was going to happen, but more when it would happen. Mm. During the off-season, Herman owned a saloon, but it did not make enough money for his family to survive. His business declared bankruptcy in 1907. Herman's brother, August, was in the Christmas tree business as well, until one day in November of 1898... August died while sailing a load of Christmas trees to Chicago. His boat broke up after he was caught in a storm. Wow. Yeah. Herman still stayed in the business until one dark night in 1912. Herman was in his prime as a ship captain, and he departed for a very late November voyage from Wisconsin to Chicago, which was very dangerous because there would be a lot of storms and stuff around Mm -hmm. that time, a lot of snow. Right. So the weather was extremely rough. It was fully loaded with an oversized load of trees. Some reports say that there were 5,500 trees on the ship. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of trees. Yeah. And when the ship left the harbor that day, people have stated that the rats that were on board, and they're on board a lot of ships, especially back then,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, started to leave the ship. Uh oh. And that is considered a very bad sign for sailors.
1: Animals, no. They They do do. like forest fires and earthquakes and all that stuff. They get out. They they work really. You know they they sense it.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Have you seen that, Mondo?
2: Yeah, it's a shame that we don't think like them. Yeah, Yeah, right. right. (laughs) (laughs) I see a rat go, but I mean, if you see a rat going in one direction, you're probably not going to follow him. That's true. I want nothing to do with that. That's true.
1: But maybe we should. the rats are off, right? Yeah, (laughs) but maybe we should be following Mm -hmm. the rats. (laughs) He's (laughs) going to leave us alone now.
0: Yeah. Um. But you know he probably should have known because the weather was extremely rough. Um, you know he was going on a three-hour tour. So <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but not much is known of what exactly happened to the Rue Simmons on that trip. But life-saving station logs testified that at 2:50 p.m. on Saturday, November 23rd, a surfman at the uh, Kiwanee, Wisconsin station alerted the station keeper, Captain Nelson Crate. Uh, The Rouse Simmons was spotted heading south, flying its flag at half-mast, which is a sign of distress. Mm. Crate tried to find a tugboat to help the Rouse Simmons, but the tugboat had already went out in the morning and was not near the area. The Rouse Simmons drifted out of view, and little is known of the exact moments of the ship's final demise— but it is believed that the ship was too heavily overburdened and combined with the fierce winter storm, it was just too much for the ship. Wow! Herman's wife, Barbara, waited at the dock the day she expected to see her husband, but he did not make it. Mm. This was not uncommon, though, in those days. Ships would uh, sometimes bunker down in a local port when there was a bad mm-hmm. storm in sight. Okay. And Herman had done this multiple times, but as days turned into weeks... She knew she would not see him again. Hmm. The next few weeks, Wisconsin residents reported seeing remains of Christmas trees drifting onto nearby beaches.
1: Oh, that's sad. She wasn't.
0: She didn't wait at the dock for days and weeks. No, no, no. She okay. only waited there a short while. Okay. And then she figured, well, I you I bet know, she
1: visited every day. I'm you.
0: sure. I'm sure she did. And in 1924... So that happened in 1912. So 12 years later, a fishing vessel pulled up its net to find a wallet wrapped in oilskin. It was the wallet of Captain Herman Schooneman. Aww. I've also heard that a bottle carrying a message drifted onto shore, carrying a message from Captain Schooneman saying his parting words of goodbye. Aww. Barbara and the kids carried on the tradition of selling Christmas trees in honor of, of Herman, oftentimes from a boat docked on Clark Street... Wow. And when Barbara met her end in 1933, the daughters continued selling them as well from their family lot. Aww. In 1971, the wreck itself was discovered discovered by a scuba diver named Gordon Kent Belrich from, from Milwaukee. Another nice. Kent. Nice. <laughs> it all nice. relates to the we, Kents. We,
1: we, we had a plan.
0: Um, he was searching for another wrecked vessel. And he knew right away that this was the Christmas ship because he saw several Christmas trees in the ship's hold. Mm. It has been said that over the years, a couple of ghostly things have happened,
1: though. Oh, here we go. The ghost part.
0: The ghost part. It's not just a sad story. It's, okay. got, a, it's got a ghostly part. First is that when people visit the grave, grave of Barbara Schooneman... In the wintertime, there is often a faint smell of evergreen trees, Mm. although no one around, or there's none around her grave at Mm. all. The second ghostly occurrence is that people have reported seeing a three masted old timey sailboat in Lake Michigan and sometimes hear phantom bells, which is the last sound that is heard from a sinking ship. Yeah, it's really sad.
1: And then doesn't he have a, does he have a grave by his wife? I mean, not with his body, but.
0: Yeah, I, I would imagine yeah. that the body is not
1: there. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah.
2: But yeah. Do yeah. they know what kind of message was in the, that yeah. he had
1: sent in the bottle? Do we know anyone? Yeah, it
0: was basically saying goodbye. It was, uh, it, it reported that Friday um, it was time to say goodbye and that the, um that the ship was o- overburdened and it was going down. And uh, he mentioned two of his shipmates that, you know, that had escaped,
1: oh, wow. but they were never
0: found. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So it wasn't a pine cone in a bottle. No, it was not a pine
1: cone <laughs> in a bottle. And if,
2: <laughs> if it was overweighted, I mean.
1: You think they just like throw, throw them off.
2: Throw them off. They yeah, were greedy right. and their greed probably got the best of them. No, I mean, no, no. They, they wanted
0: cut. to give it to the needy though. So they're not well. greedy.
2: Oh, Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I just figured, you know, he already went bankrupt with his other, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, this was his life. it was like, you know what? I need every pine tree I can get. Yeah. You know, this was every his life's little, worth.
0: I mean, yeah. Yeah. this is, you know, this is what he did to, uh, people loved him for this.
1: Yeah. Mm. But maybe it would have been worth taking off a few trees.
0: Yeah. Yeah, mm. definitely. Definitely. And that was probably the problem is that he. You know, his eyes were were really big. Yeah. yeah. Bigger he, than his wallet. Every
2: <laughs> single tree looked like a one dollar bill to him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One dollar <laughs> Well some
1: of the, that <laughs> that was he his most expensive tree. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. this was nineteen what twelve, 12 so a dollar was a lot. Yeah.
2: yeah. And he had stacks and stacks of one dollar bills.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Was Are we in come? the Christmas mood now? Yeah. I love yay. it. Death
0: and Ghost yay. and Christmas. Christmas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like it.
0: All right. So does anybody have anything to add?
1: Oh.
2: I was just wondering uh back to the poll yeah. that you guys had for Bachelor's Grove. Right. So I
0: don't really want to talk about that. Eleven much right percent
2: now. of the people you said uh didn't or were unsure?
1: No, they were they said mm. no that it's not haunted.
0: So those
2: eleven percent have never been there. Yeah, and the twenty-two percent that are unsure,
1: right? Yes,
2: they have never been there. Yeah, well, that's the it's thing. It's actually
1: forty forty-four percent are kind of on the two two scales of they're not sure. So, so
2: I believe none of them have ever stepped foot in the Bachelors Grove. So maybe that should be
0: another poll out of the people that voted <laughs> one way. Have they ever been there? Well, we're, we're going to have some polls for this episode, too. I don't know exactly what they're going to yeah. be about since we're not doing a debate, but we have to have well, a poll. Well, your
1: favorite ghost story. Which one is your favorite? Yeah, it's going to be Captain oh, for Santa. Me, I mean, of course, it's the Mistletoe Bride.
0: It's Captain Santa. <laughs> and look
1: at Mondo. He's so nice. Yeah, he's not fighting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, this has been a, a lot of fun recording this episode for you guys. Um, and um,
1: we hope you enjoy reading yeah, all these stories or definitely. listening to these stories. For Christmas,
0: and we want to take the time to thank all of our listeners. You've all made this podcast worth it. I get so excited when planning out these episodes because I want you to hear everything that we that we have to say. If you're feeling in the giving spirit, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes or Facebook. Uh, it would truly make this the best Christmas ever for us.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
0: Uh, for those listening to this before Christmas, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays or whatever you celebrate.
1: Absolutely. And uh, be sure to visit our library uh, on the, for show notes on our website. Yeah. Uh, we'll have all the sources for the stories and information today, plus some really cool pictures. I actually have some pictures of Bramshill House and um, yeah. some other really great uh, Christmas
0: Yeah, well, we went to where... Tree where the Christmas ship would usually die. Right. We've got some
1: pictures of that. Yeah. So definitely.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys very much. And, uh, we'll see you next year.
1: Happy holidays. Or
0: actually, no, we're going to have an episode on the 26th.
1: Well, oh yeah, we will have an episode on the 26th and it's going to be really cool. We're going to have some great yes. interviews.
0: Yes. Actually, we are going to play for you our, our interview with Holly of, um, Para okay. Illuminati.
1: Oh, yeah. Paranormal Illuminati. There it is. That's hard to say. It is a little hard to say, but I love their name is Holly because it's perfect for an episode on December 26th. Yes. Yeah.
0: All right. We'll see you guys soon.
1: See you soon. Bye.